1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to cynthiahyatt.com. That's C I N T H I A H I E T T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you know, you hear me every week say how glad I am you're joining me today. I truly am. And I'm excited about who I have in studio today, which I think you are also going to be excited about. This is my friend, pastor, and doctor, Bobby Brewer. So right. say hi. Yeah, hey, thanks, Cynthia, for having me on. <laughs> so I'm so glad because, you know, we, he and I kind of share a similar heart for singles and uh, for relationships. And so he has just, I've been anxiously awaiting this book. It says, Help, I'm Really Single, a Survival Guide for Today's Christian Single. So, Bobby, my first question: How did you go about getting this, and why did you prompt it? What, what prompted you to write this? book?
3: <clears throat> yeah, you know, um, well, as someone who has served as a single pastor at, you know, a multi-site mega church and at a, another mega church in the past, you know, probably over for over fifteen years, I've been doing some form of single adult type ministry. And I just – I've had numerous meetings with singles who, simply put, they're more than frustrated with their relationship status, uh, i.e. being single. And, you know, I should point out that these are not disheveled and unkempt slackers, but rather they're well-educated, successful, attractive, uh, young to middle-aged professional, which, of course, does beg the overly simplistic question, why? You know, I mean, why me? Why am I still – single. And I've seen other single adults who've become uh, so disillusioned with dating that they've given up altogether. And so I kept getting these questions uh, over the past years. It's kind of in some ways it's like apologetics. I just kept noticing the same questions repackaged, Mm. and a lot of times through email. So it was through being a pastor, and also as you know, uh, uh, my friend Mario D'Ortenzio and I, we host a show that comes on uh, from 3 to 3.30 here, on uh same day same day same day Sundays you know three to three thirty and same thing a lot of the questions I get will be the same question asked over and over so I just began to keep a record you know rather than have to rewrite this answer again I just uh, started keeping my own log in a word document and then I just felt like you know the single adult culture has changed uh so radically radically I felt like you know they you know I'm very thankful of course for there's some great works out there great books out there but it's like you know there really hasn't been a lot written recently uh, that's really kind of like a rubber meets the road, just kind of uh, real deal. You well, know, practical. It, you know, it
2: is very, it is very practical, and and you know what I really like? It is short. Yes. So you yeah. did not, you know, as myself, I have a problem with being a little bit more verbose than I need to be, oftentimes, and so this is a great. This yeah. is a book. It's a perfect size. It's yeah. It's I what, came. 80 close, pages, right. yes.
3: I came close to actually. Uh, originally, I was going to call it uh, something like a single survival manual, and mm-hmm. I kind of want to go with the idea of like the little, you know, like the uh, a survivalist type little survival guide that you would keep with you in your right. back pocket or in your backpack. So originally, yeah, I want to even kind of well, be you know, smaller. I, but... I think
2: that most singles would it would absolutely relate to the word survival because it can be brutal out there. Yeah.
3: Absolutely, you know, it's it's. Um, well, for one thing, you know the the Christian dating pool, of course, is getting a little smaller, yes, these days, and you know, as uh, single adults get older, they notice yeah it's getting a little smaller dating pool, and let's go ahead and say it 's getting a little weirder Absolutely. As well it, can, you know? yeah, it really can it be, can be. And,
2: and I think some of that though, is because the world has just gotten weirder and mm, and yeah. it, like some of our reference points are kind of just eradicated, some of the things that we just were a given that that was the the box is not there. It's
3: totally changed. You know, I wrote a book as well called Postmodernism: What You Should mm-hmm. Know and Do About It, and it was published in 2002. Now, when I wrote that book about postmodern culture, I honestly thought that we would we wouldn't really be seeing postmodern culture until about maybe 2030, 2040. You know, but. It is here. It's not it, only here, rapidly. but we are in the very thick of it. it
2: you know, it's all, even in the last five years, it has rapidly shifted.
3: Yeah, a friend of mine, um, Jason Fritz, who's a pastor up at a church called Highlands in Scottsdale, he and I were having lunch one day. We were kind of jokingly—originally, we were jokingly talking about how 2005 was the good old days. You know, back—we're uh, kind of like, hey, remember when uh, we had to worry about, you know, can we marry someone who's been through a divorce? Hey, right. Hey, do right. you remember back when they were playing Switchfoot on secular stations? I uh, remember when a couple of, uh, I won't mention their names, very famous mega church pastors were evangelicals and believed that Jesus was the only way. Uh, hey, do you remember? Th- yeah, those were the good old <laughs> days. You know, remember when Blue Light like Jazz was like a bu- yes. I mean, those were the good old days. Yes. That, that was just 10 years ago. I know. And it's
2: it's tough to make that transition and not lose when when you're really going from being the majority to, in many ways, being a minority, even though I don't think we're a minority in terms of believing in God as a nation. Right. But we are a minority in terms of what we require that we live like. And that has changed radically. Even amongst Christians, it has radically changed.
3: Yeah. When I first entered ministry, you know, all joking aside, like, you know, uh, the divorce and marriage thing was a big issue. Mm -hmm. Well, now we've got, you know, the gay marriage issue is upon us. You know, I mean, that's.
2: Absolutely. And living together, you know, it used to be, you know, I'm also ordained and do weddings. It used to be 10, 15 years ago. If I had someone living together, I required they moved in together before I'd ever consider marrying them.
3: Yes. See, those were the good old days. Yeah,
2: exactly. Now I'm just like, I'm just glad they're going to get married.
3: Exactly. So, you know,
2: and so it's a very different and and some of that is not, you know, some of that comes from my background in psychology and, and relationship. And that's not all Christian. It's really that God knew what he was doing when he wanted people married. I mean, we yeah. have so much research about how disastrous it is if people live together before they're married.
3: Yeah, and I believe marriage is something we can reclaim. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an advisor for a, a ministry. It's called Alpha. And in 2016, uh, Alpha is going to relaunch a thing called Alpha Marriage, which is basically, it's basically premarital counseling. But watch this. They're going to relaunch it because of exactly what you were talking right. about, the fact that they know that a lot of couples are dating together. Uh, living together right. rather they're living together but they really believe that once you go through once you see god's heart for marriage that they have noticed a trend where they've been doing it in england where couples who go through alpha marriage couples that are living together i should clarify end up getting married right now, i really believe cynthia marriage is something actually we can reclaim
2: i think that's a great way I, to put it I because think, that's yeah. that's what i do with many of the couples i have it's even secular couples i say to them you know i can take the, I, I can present it to you in a in a faith-based manner or a spiritual es- esoteric manner. Or I can just tell you what, you know, USC says in their research and University of San Diego says in their research. And these are like secular research that is showing that people that live together before they're married have have a twice as high divorce rate after they get married.
3: Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's an innate desire about marriage. And I, th- I think Brides Magazine will be around mm-hmm. for a long time. Always. You know, and uh, there, there's some, I think it's the way God's created us, But... Well, it's so, enduring. Yeah. So check it out. Look at what postmodern culture has done to marriage. So here's what I've noticed. So with postmoderns, okay, so here's the deal. You, uh, you know, have a relationship with someone. So, first of all, of course, you have the postmodern world. Let me again clarify you have sex. Then you move in together. Now, watch this, Cynthia. Then you may have children together.
2: No, course you have a pet. Well, Remember, there, you have
3: exactly. You've got to have the pet first. Yes. That's the qualifier. Yes. That's kind of like the uh, prereq. Yes. yes. And then you have kids, and then maybe Mm -hmm. you'll get married. Exactly. Whereas the plan we see in Scripture is like a complete 180 of that. You know,
2: and I say to people, you know, it's that Proverbs that says, there's a way that seems right to a man and in the end leads to death. And I say to people, I get the logic to my logical brain. If I am not a Christian-based thinker, the logic seems sound. It just doesn't bear it out. Right. But so we have Christians that are many times as they're single trying to do a different way than they did, and they may want to try to live together because the first time we have all these people that are thinking that marriage is actually the thing that ruins the relationship, when actually what marriage does is reveals the relationship.
3: So well put. Not only that, but the studies I've seen, and you know, you being a, you know, a licensed counselor, I'm sure you have even more better data than mine. Um, but the studies I have seen show that couples who do get married are more prone to work out their difficulties. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you're living together and you have some tough times, so okay. Well, see,
2: there's a, this is what couples don't understand. There's an automatic strengthening and legitimizing of a relationship. And I understand the precursor or the, the tone of judgment that, oh, our relationship is illegitimate. I'm not saying that a person that's living with another person has an illegitimate relationship per se. I'm not saying that it doesn't count or it doesn't matter or it's not powerful and moving and deep. What I'm saying is when you publicly stand before people and you vow with a spiritual intent with a third party, which is what we believe is God, so you are vowing with a spiritual entity to support that and you're asking the community to support your relationship, it's a very different feel yeah. than asking the community to just accept the relationship. That's,
3: again, well said. And that's actually one of the things I, I do write about in my book is I, I encourage couples to get mm-hmm. married. and. I really encourage them to do the, you know, do the traditional marriage vows. The, the any marriage vow is good, but the, the traditional marriage vows are really hard mm-hmm. to improve upon. I mean, yes. f- though we be rich or poor, okay, really. I mean, I want you sickness like,
2: and in health,
3: and sickness and in health. So, like when I do premarital counseling, it's like, uh, you know, hey, you're more than welcome to write your own vows. I know it's kind of hip and cool, but you know, what? let me. Let's just at least talk about these traditional ones because they are so hard to improve upon. And I really want you to think about this. Can you really say, though we be rich or poor, uh, right. in sickness and in right. health? Right. You know, till death, do we part? You know, uh, that, hey, I'm in. Issues may come and go, but
2: I'm right.
3: in. Can, can, can you, and before God and yes. these witnesses? Yes. Whew, I mean, it's huge. It's huge. You know, and so uh, we really encourage people to contemplate that and. You know, just to kind of think through, even in premarital counseling. I mean, as a not as a glass half empty, but as a glass half full. Hey, Absolutely. look what you're committing to this person, too. They're going to commit to it, Absolutely. you know, as well. And I think it's a great testimony. Again, I, I think, I believe Alpha is right. We can reclaim marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even when you do the marriage ceremony, uh, if I get to be the uh, officiant for it, you know, mm-hmm. I, of course, I'm going to get the gospel in there. Absolutely. Somehow, some Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Well, the
2: he's the author of going, it. He's the yeah, author of it.
3: Right. So... But, yeah, so uh, that's one of the things we do talk about in the book is that uh, there's no, you know, people think it can divorce-proof their marriage by living together. Yeah. And really you can't divorce-proof your marriage uh, through living together. There's, uh, again, you've probably got better research on this than I do. But just the research is not there. I mean, uh, the documentation is not there. You know, it may be in your spirit you think, okay, let's li- let's kind of do like a test market.
2: Well, and anyone, you know, when I talk to you about the differences between living together and being married, I say to them, you know, if you've ever been divorced— you know the difference between breaking up with someone when you're living together and divorcing. And divorcing is a whole different thing. And that's when people really start to realize this actually was bigger than I thought. Right. It is very powerful and, and, and necessary for humans. It, yes. Well, we're coming up to our first break. So I'm excited, Bobby, to have you today. And we are talking to Dr. Bobby Brewer with his, his uh, new book that has just come out, Help, I'm Really Single. And it is a survival guide for today's Christian Singles. And, Bobby, while we're ending the segment, tell us where we can get a hold of you.
3: Um, Best way is just RK Brewer at Hotmail. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Well, join me again in the next segment as we talk to Bobby Brewer about his book, Help, I'm Really Single. welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and today I have a very special guest with me, Dr. and Pastor Bobby Brewer, who has just finished and is now releasing his new book called Help, I'm Really Single. It is a survival guide for today's Christian singles. And oh, before I forget, we are launching this. You are doing this on June 17th? Uh, July July
3: 17th. So yeah, if you live in Phoenix, I definitely would invite you to come out to our City of Grace Scottsdale campus. It's 9610 East Cactus Road. So we're basically it's going to be a party. It's kind of like a book release party. And so I'd love to invite your, you know, if you're listening right now, to come on out to that. We're going to have a uh, DJ, some free food for you. Standing Tom up.
2: Brown, who it's, does
3: have, uh Tom Brown will be there on site to do a live recording. So I'd like to invite you to be a part of the uh, studio audience. And so Tom's just like you. He's going to ask me just some random questions. Good. about the books i'd love now, to meet you, you guys in person there? i will so i'll okay. have books there and by the way if you come on july 17th i can save you a few dollars you can uh get them directly from me and they'll be uh, more affordable awesome for you then I'll, i can give you the author's discount but you can get it on amazon and barnes and noble but okay can't give you a discount there that's awesome so
2: well so i look i'm looking at this book and um you have i like it because i said earlier it's it's uh it's brief i mean it's still meaty but it's brief and um So it's not overwhelming to read. So we have eight chapters. And it says, yeah, chapter one, Single America. And now listeners, I just want you to hear kind of what's the content of this book because I'm excited about these different chapters. We have Single America, Soul Exam for Singles, Dating Scene Survival Prep. Chapter four is Dates to Avoid. I like that. Chapter five, Dateless to Dating. Chapter six is Sex. Oh, you took on that whole entire... Issue, yeah. Chapter seven, gnarly situations. (laughs) I love that. And chapter eight is hot topics while you're single. So tell me, what was the hardest and the favorite chapter? Yeah, uh,
3: the hardest was uh, probably on dates to avoid.
2: Now, why is that?
3: Uh, Wow, you know, I didn't. uh, It was was hard. There's definitely, you know, here's here's why it was so hard. Is you and I both know that marriage is not the place for rehabilitation. Exactly. And so, when you're dating, you know you're going to meet some people with some issues. You know, some people have been emotionally wounded. God bless them. I mean, some people have been have been through you know some hellish mm-hmm. situations. Well, we've all been there. We've all been there. And uh, some people, you know, as the old saying goes, uh, "Tough times make you bitter or better." Well, if they're still bitter, uh, I'm going to recommend right. you avoid them.
2: Well, see, I think that's the hardest thing is on that continuum because we all are fallen. We all are struggling. God's doing a good work in us until the day we die. So where is this on the continuum of, is this just an average dysfunctional person that when they get in a committed relationship, it brings out better things in them and gives them the courage and the strength and the support to continue to work on their character? And when is it, wow, that person is not marriage ready? And that's a tough line.
3: It's really tough. And, you know, I... uh, Even though I'm a middle-aged dude, I still read comic books. And my favorite superhero is Green Lantern, who Mm
2: -hmm. has this
3: power ring that he can do – you know, anything with this power rings, that's what makes him a superhero. And some people have this misperception that, that marriage is like that. Oh, once you put a wedding band on your finger.
2: That's a great oh, you're, analogy. You're going to have
3: superpowers. You'll no longer have uh, sexual addictions. Uh, you'll right. no longer. It'll all go away. It'll all go away once you put that wedding band oh, on. Or those
2: are the healthy people.
3: R- exactly. And that's what
2: I have single people think that, you know, all the healthy people are married. I say, do you know how many married people are on my caseload?
3: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that was a tough one for me to write, just because I didn't want to come across too harsh. And yet again, I'm a, I'm a strong advocate that uh, marriage is not the place for rehabilitation. Um, I would say specifically for me was uh, like I don't recommend. You know, for me, a date to avoid would be to date a non-believer.
2: Right. You know, right. it sounds
3: so holier than thou. You know, it's like oh man, uh, and that even happened to me back when I was single. I actually unintentionally started dating a non-believer.
2: Well, and I do think there's a there's a qualifier, though, you know, about needing somebody to speak the same religious language as you to qualify as a believer versus somebody that may not be as uh, strong in their faith or mature in their faith, but right. are certainly on the other side of that line.
3: Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I have seen, there are some anomalies out there where I've seen right. missionary dating where it's worked. And so that's why that one was so hard for me. Right. And it's just, but... We do know that Solomon, you know, Nehemiah chapter 13 tells us that it was being married to pagan women. Right. Uh, it was the
2: downfall. was
3: the downfall. So if the wisest man to have ever lived can't really navigate those waters that well, it's like, uh, who, who do we really think we are that we well, could exactly. do any better? When, when you
2: think about marriage is the two becoming one.
3: Yeah. I mean, don't you want to be married? Don't you want to spend the rest of your life with someone who will pray with you and who, mm-hmm. you know, tough times come that you can fast together with or that you can go to church and worship with. And, and
2: you become more like Christ. Right. Not uh, trying to get this person up to the same right.
3: level. And so, you know, if you're out there right now, you're contemplating dating a non-believer, uh, you know, just say, no, no, I mean, I'm not saying uh, you know, we can't come across holer and thou. You know, perhaps go out for, like, coffee or something that's non-romantic and find out where they're at spiritually. You know, but if you know for a fact, you know, they're not worshiping God. Uh, they're not interested. You need to put the brakes on. Hey, invite them to church, see what happens. But, you know. Uh,
2: because, you know, we get attached to people. I tell people, you know, one of the reasons we guard our heart is that the more time we spend someone, more time we spend with someone, the more we understand their heart and their heartaches and their past, the more attached we become, the less concrete our thinking is. And so we have to be super careful about protecting our heart.
3: Yeah, that's why I think, you know, we used a phrase, uh, looking through life with rose-colored glasses. And, you know, when you fall in love, you're on cloud nine Mm -hmm. and you're able to see past everything, Mm -hmm. you know. And so uh, that's why it's good to remain objective by having some friends in your life, what kind of Hold you in check.
2: Well, you know, it's funny because I was just when you said that I was thinking to myself that one of this like ideas or sayings God gave me was the reason I have a head and a heart is because if I only had a heart, I would never get out of a relationship. Right. If I only had a head, I would never get in one. Right. Yeah. You know, and so that's I need. Good. Yeah, I that's good. That's tweet worthy. <laughs> so yeah. So I All need right. them both. Right. To help me maneuver through that, and and yeah. you're right. When we say we don't want to be holier than thou, what we're saying is. You want to be
3: wise. Yeah, you know, and I think of, um, well, it was uh, Abraham, actually. You know, he intentionally, you know, he sent his servant out. You know, when he was looking for a a match, trying to make a matchmaking scenario here for his son Isaac, he was very clear that it needs to be someone that worships the one true God. So, you know, I just simply say, uh, you know, before, don't say I do to them until they have said, yes to Jesus.
2: I love that. Okay,
3: if they've said yes to Jesus, okay, we're, we're cool, but until they say yes to Jesus, you can't say I do.
2: Exactly, so. because it just really is is a road for heartache.
3: Well, you'll be what, you know, uh, Paul told the Corinthian church, uh, you'll be unequally yoked.
2: Which, and, and you get double-minded.
3: Yeah, and in modern day terms, they'd say, you know, you're unequally hitched, you yes. know, perhaps. Yes, you know, so.
2: yeah. Well, I think it's tough, and I, so I think we have to also consider that everybody's a work in process, and when I talk to couples about somebody that is not date worthy or that you don't really want to invest and get attached to has a lot to do with their willingness to change. So I say, you know, if somebody is willing to get into therapy and say, you know what, I have to work on this issue. This is how important you are to me. So if I've got an addiction, I always say to people, of course, we're inspired by people to get healthier.
1: Right. So it isn't like
2: they just have to do it on their own. It's like one of the reasons God has us with people is to inspire us to a higher self. So if they're inspired to say, you know what? I got to get a handle on this and I'm willing to work on that. We'll, can, can we do that for, and then you give it a specific period of time to see the intent. But you don't like get engaged and get married and say, well, they're going to therapy.
3: Right. You know. Right.
2: So, so. Well, I'm gl- well, I'm glad you're here and we are going to um, end this segment and then talk next time about the favorite one, the okay. favorite chapter you had and tell people again how to get a hold of you.
3: Yeah, you can just drop me an email at rkbrewer at hotmail.com. And I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, so forth. So uh, that's Bobby Brewer. So love to connect with you.
2: And if you haven't been able to listen to the show in its entirety, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and it is a podcast on that show as well as to the KPXQ website. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And I want to let you know that if any of this show you are unable to listen to in its entirety, you can go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com, and all the shows are up, and you can hear uh, the guest I have today, which I'm very excited about. It is um, Dr. Bobby and Pastor Brewer, and he is here today. At uh, sharing his new book that he has just written. It's called Help, I'm Really Single, a survival guide for today's Christian single. And survival is a good word because it is kind of tough out there. So I asked him in the last segment what his hardest chapter was, and now I'm asking him what his favorite chapter in the book to write was.
3: Yeah, the favorite chapter, I mean, let me first of all say there is an appendix that has basically the gospel. So if you want to buy this to give to a friend, uh, it's kind of got like a little gospel track in a very back, you know— uh, of the book, yep. Um, it's, it's right after, I think, the conclusion even. So anyways, but, you know, so I have to say the gospel. But actually, uh, yeah, well, I call it bonus track, what is the gospel? So, you know, if you buy the book and you give it to someone who's not a Christian or someone's kicking a tire, so if they read the book in its entirety, they will receive the gospel message. But as far as the chapters go, I'd say it's chapter three, uh, dating scene, survival prep, where uh, I ask some kind of uh, questions such as, uh, do you want to be married? Which sounds like, well, of course, but there's actually what's happened in single adult culture. Some people simply date for the sake of dating because it's expected that if you're single, well, you date. Right. So, but there's some people out there who have less than noble intentions. Right. So, I'm going to just ask, you know, the reader, hey, are you sure you really are you ready to be married? And and again, it should be a no brainer, but there's purpose. Some people are dating without purpose or without right. intent. And so you really shouldn't date. And, you know, sometimes it's often guys. It's often men. But, you know, women sometimes fall victim to this too. But simply because no one's ever taught them
2: well, or you know, spoken to them about I think it. because we're in a – now, as you say this, it reminds me of myself because we're in this culture where um, there's a lot of sacrifices we may not want to make and we don't have to make them. And I know, you know, I, I've shared with you that I was married much later in life. I was 49 when I married my husband and we've been married, you know, almost four years now. And I, and I tell this story because it's funny. I mean, it really was kind of an interesting thought to me because I was single a long time, I'm very independent, but been in business for myself for my entire adulthood. And so I was, I'm a Christian and I said to him, you know, I'm, I, I can't sleep with you unless I'm married. And, and, um, and so my hardest part was I would have to get married and live with him. And and I said to him, you know, I had a hard time setting a wedding date. I was so engaged, excited to be engaged. And he said, w- we probably need to set a date, right? And I said to him, but then you never go home, you know? Wow. And it was this huge <laughs> yeah. epiphany that I've wow. lived alone yeah. for so long yeah. that it was truly going to be yep. for me. Now, that's not other people. Other people, it's a sacrifice to live alone. For me, it was a sacrifice to give up some of that independency. Yeah. And, um, so that was, I, it was, I was thankful that God really helped me see that as soon as I figured it out, then I could set a date and I was excited because I trust him, but he was so sweet to say to me, well, there is a house next door to you for sale. Do you want me to buy that and live there? And then I was (laughs) like, okay, I'm marrying the right man. He really understands me. He's willing to buy a house, marry me and live in a different house. Wow. But it was, it was strange for me Mm -hmm. to think about that's where our culture has gotten and how affected I have been. By the culture
3: yeah yeah it's mostly just because no one really talks about it right you know And in single adult culture you're expected to date you know a lot of single adults are getting pressure from their parents or their friends mm-hmm. you know but uh you're not but the, really but
2: the idea of living together and having sex before you're married is accepted for christians as well right and so there's this hard thing about making that sacrifice for the greater good that really is a better version
3: exactly and so you know i encourage that you know in my book i encourage or singles that, you know what, if you're not ready for dating or marriage, rather, I should say it, then uh, just take a sabbatical from dating. You know, Absolutely. Uh, because, one you, uh, one, you won't intentionally be playing with someone's heart. I mean right. Because most people date with the idea that, hey, this is headed somewhere. Christians, anyway, you know, that, hey, this is headed somewhere, specifically marriage. And what happens in single adult culture, sometimes it's like the uh, dog that chases the car. Okay, well, okay, great, you caught one. Now what are you going to do with it? And that's right, what right. – in fact, this is why sometimes you know a lot of females hate my species is because, well, this guy just wants to perpetually date. He has no desire to ever get married. And so that's why I'm saying, like, you know what, if you're not ready for – I'm not saying you have to get engaged on date one. But I But mean, it
2: is talking about guarding our hearts.
3: Guarding our hearts. And, and I encourage uh, singles to purposefully date, meaning you date for the purpose to see, is this the person for me? And right. you may not know until after right. four or five months. Right. Right. But you're dating for that purpose to see, hey, is this – possibly headed towards marriage.
2: Well, I think it's wise counsel because, you know, the longer that we are with people, the more attached we become, the b- diff- more difficult it is for us to discern whether or not this person is suited for us. Right. So we're coming to um, the end of the segment, and we only have one more to go. So listeners, I'm so glad that you're hearing this today, and I encourage you to hang on and, and join us back after this uh, last break. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia with Dr. Bobby Brewer and his new book, Help, I'm Really Single. Well, welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And I have today with me Dr. Bobby Brewer and his new book, Help, I'm Really Single, A Survival Guide for Today's Christian Singles. And this is a wealth of information, and it's an easy read. I I mean, he he writes really well in in terms of being able to flow. And so it isn't um, overwhelming or taxing. It's just very, very concrete and very helpful. So in Chapter 6, you have a whole entire chapter on sex which that in and of itself is quite an endeavor to take on, Right, yeah. And, um, you know, we were talking off the air about this whole issue with, you know, having sex before you're married, and now it's such a a given. It's like within the third date, there's something wrong if you haven't done that. And we even see this with, with professing Christians. And I really have a heart for people because, you know, what I tell clients is up until about the 60s, humans really understood humans, and they knew if they were together too long, that's what they would do. That's just what humans do. And it's natural to us. And that's why we had chaperones. That's why we protected each other. That's really? why we helped each other. And we don't have a community that does not help us anymore. Wow. So we're on our own to yep. control our own behavior. And it is a big burden. And people have this magical idea that they should just somehow be able to control themselves. And I said, that is not how the body is wired. And that's not how our emotions are wired. And once you start interacting with someone, laughing with them... That's a huge doorway for connection. One of the strongest attachments you can make is who you laugh with, yeah. and you know you share your heart, you cry with somebody. Well, you automatically are attaching, and once you do that, and you start touching and holding and all these types of things, the whole left side of our brain is gone; goes on complete shutdown.
3: It's interesting. You know, I um, went to for my undergrad. I went to Liberty University, and they had you know I, I just had been born again, like maybe 18 months, and they mm-hmm. had all these dating rules. You know, like uh, you had to double, you know, uh, right, you had to double right. date. Well, actually, freshmen couldn't date Wow. first of all. And then, you know, uh, if you were a sophomore <laughs> above, you could date, but it had to be a double date. And I was like, man, this is like a cult or something. You know what I mean? Coming out of the culture, I'd come exactly. out of. But in now, in retrospect, it's like, oh, actually, there was some There's wisdom. a lot of wisdom. You know? Yes. So.
2: so it's kind of, it's one of these things, and, and you know I was telling you off air that, you know, many times I have women in my office and, and they're in a terrible relationship with a, with a man and they can't seem to break up, can't seem to get out of it. And I finally ask them, well, are, are you sleeping with them? And they say, yes. And what we know about women and the hardwiring of women is that they are compelled to make a relationship work with a the man they're sleeping with. Now, always remember, we're talking on some generalizations. Sure. This is, a, this is the majority of people. It's not this case for every situation. But women, and and they try in today's world to act like they're men, and they can have sex like men, and they can't. And they are heartbroken. They don't understand why they're so compelled to make that relationship work. But it is a physiological evolutionary issue. Once your body has sex, it knows it can get pregnant, even if you're on birth control. So once you, you are with someone that you have the possibility of getting pregnant, what we have to understand in today's world, women getting pregnant and having babies is still the most dangerous thing they can do. Still. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That is how much change happens in a woman's body. Yeah. So they are hardwired to secure the relationship of who they're sleeping with.
3: Yeah. That's so fascinating. You know, uh, I kind of feel like right now the American church is kind of like the Corinthians, mm-hmm. right? So Corinth was an, uh, kind of like an ancient Las Vegas. In fact, uh, there was even a term Corinthianized meant to fornicate.
2: Wow. Yeah.
3: And so, I mean, that's how bad it was. Now, of course, a church gets planted there. But what happens is some of their culture spills over into the church. Now, the, the Corinthians, they didn't have any background in the Old Testament. I mean, it was all, in their defense, new to them. But right. nevertheless, it was spilling—their right. old lifestyle was spilling over into their church. You know, and Paul has to write two letters to them. You know, like In fact, I mean, they're both pretty corrective letters. Mm-hmm. On you know, one occasion, he pretty much says, hey, don't make me turn this car around. You know, hey, I'll come there if you want me to. Right. You, you want me to come there? Right. No, you don't want me to come there. You know? <laughs> And, you know, but he, he talks about, you know, one, uh, you know, remaining pure. He goes, know you not that your bodies are a temple of Absolutely. the Holy Spirit? You know, yes. do, do you not know that? You know what I mean? And, of course, he, it's a rhetorical question, but apparently like, oh, no, we didn't. Because the, the Gnostics, which was, they were really popular during that time, they taught that, you could separate your body and your spirit, you know. So basically, like if
2: how convenient is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: Like if I went out and out had you know adultery or whatever, it's like oh, well that wasn't really me. It's that, just my that, body, was my body right. was doing that. Right. And this is this explains some of John's letters too, first, second, and third John is like, hey, if you keep on sinning, hey, don't be for you're not born again. You right. know what I mean, John right. comes at this. I mean, gentle John, you know, comes at this you know, pretty hard as well. It's like, hey, who, who are you kidding? You know, if you continue to sin like this, you're not a believer. But you know, he uh, he gives some instructions the scriptures give us instructions about that as well you know and it just you know what you said earlier just reminds me of the importance of you know what even if i don't understand what god's talking about uh, i'm going to go ahead and just follow him you exactly. know exactly and when i was a new christian uh, my youth pastor who was discipling me he, he encouraged me to be a nevertheless christian which comes out of luke chapter 5 it's when Peter and the fishermen, you know, they've been fishing all night, and Jesus tells them, Hey, throw your nets out on the other side. And Peter's like, Hey, look, we've been fishing all night, but nevertheless, because you say so, Lord, we'll do it. Right. Uh, you know, it didn't make sense. I mean, these are career fishermen. You know, this is how they make their living. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, okay, well, but because you say so, Jesus, nevertheless, we'll do it. And, he, you know, and he challenged me back then. I've always tried to be uh, a nevertheless Christian. I love that. You know, it's like, you know what? I don't really understand. Mm hmm. Some of these principles are coming out of script. I mean, or maybe I don't agree with them. But you know what, Lord, nevertheless, because you say so, I'm going to do it your way. Well, and... it's like
2: trusting who designed you. It's kind of like I tell clients, you know, mm, you don't four-wheel drive a Lamborghini. I mean, what are you doing? Right. You know, this is like the, the, the act of sex is, is you know, either the most spiritual, life-changing, transformative, transcending event, or it's the most primitive, animalistic like taking you down to the depths of, you know, the lowest version of yourself that you can be. Right. So, you know, it's like you, you kind of have to really honor it. And, and when we think about, like, we want to believe that it doesn't matter that much. And I say to people, okay, when I have couples that are struggling with infidelity, I say to them, you know, you went into this thinking it wasn't that big of a deal. And now you're finding out that someone could get killed. This still happens today. Yeah. People still kill each other over yeah. infidelity. It is that big of a deal. If you're not Christians or if you are Christians. It's that serious. It's so true. When you have a daughter that you think lost her virginity and you're not even a Christian, it's a really big deal.
3: Yeah. We know um, one of the dates that I encourage people to avoid is the sex addict. Now, at first glance, perhaps the idea of being the cure for a sex addict may sound like a dream come true, but uh, you will not be able to cure a sex addict no. through marriage alone. And, no. Uh, no, you know, I'm not talking about lust here. Uh, rather, when I use the term sex addict, you know, I'm referring to a recurring pattern involving sexual activity in which, you know, the, the individual is willing to risk occupational, financial, marital, and even his or her own health Absolutely. to engage in sex. So, you that's know, that's right. kind of like what I'm talking about. So as with any addiction, they sometimes will forego social, occupational, mm-hmm. or recreational activities because of their addiction that's right and we live in a a culture now i mean i sound like my grandma but we live in a culture now that is just so inundated with this you know when i was a kid you know cynthia if a guy wanted to get like you know a penthouse or playboy i mean pretty much you would have to steal it i know you know
2: You'd have to go find it somewhere in your neighborhood if someone's dad yeah, had someone to it. Yeah, someone would
3: have to steal mm-hmm. it or, you know, take great risk. And, right, uh,
2: and hope you didn't, ups- were not seen by going to the back alley place over e- there are Exactly,
3: yeah. And I'm so thankful that I grew up kind of when I well, did. Well, see,
2: we really protected people, and we didn't yeah. know we were, we thought we were being stifled. We didn't realize we were being protected.
3: Yeah, and, you know, today's culture, you know, I'm hearing about, you know, with uh, the ministry, uh, you know, not only at church at City of Grace, but also with Death of Life Revolution more so, hearing about junior hires, you know, they're mm-hmm. participating in sexting.
2: Yes. You know, and some of yes. these
3: hadn't even been through puberty yet in some cases, but exactly. they're able to get sex on their phone, you know. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole different, my generation, yes. our generation had to go through these quite a few hoops. All those hoops, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, but that's, you know, the culture we live in. And so, you know, uh, regretfully, sex addicts are normally also ad- addicted to porn. Yes. And uh, from a dating perspective, you know, regardless of the gender, uh, the sex addict finds the challenge of seducing someone far more interesting in the, than the pursuit of a long-lasting relationship. So that's why, you know...
2: Well, because it's a high, it's an altered state.
3: Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you know, men are sometimes labeled as womanizer, a player, and, you know, the terms for the female sex addict are not nearly as kind. But uh, regardless, honeymoon, getting married it's not going to cure this person. Right. You know, right. And, but they need help. You know, you might be the person, if you feel like, hey, I'm dating that person right now, or maybe you're listening to this and you know, actually that's me.
2: Well, it has everything to do with how they view the situation, how they view the condition. If they're viewing the condition with heartache, like I'm embarrassed to tell you about this, but I really struggle with this and I'm, I'm having a, you know, I know it's not right. Yeah. When they're viewing it with what's wrong with you, I can't believe you have, a, you have a problem with this. That's a whole different. Absolutely. Idea.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, regardless of their state, you know, where they're at victory and freedom from any addiction are available to those who seek it. That's right. And so you may be the person to point it out to him, Or maybe just through listening to this episode today, you realize, you know what, I, I need to—
2: Maybe be the person to set the boundary and yeah. set a boundary with yourself to not be with that person. Right.
3: Exactly. So, I mean, just like the Corinthian church, if you don't deal with it now, it's going to carry over into marriage. I mean, marriage is not going to cure you from this. I mean, yes, right. your, some of your sexual needs should be greatly fulfilled as a result of marriage. But if you're an addict, uh, it's a little different story.
2: Right. It isn't, it isn't sexual needs. It is a whole different... So, speaking on sex... Yes. All right. You were going to address this one question for me. Will my struggle with sexual temptation end when I get married?
3: You know, I, from everything I've read and studied, it will definitely be diminished. Yes. You know, but uh, what you're going to find, somewhat surprisingly, though, is that it will not completely go away.
2: And that uh-huh. is part of our human condition.
3: Right. I mean... Uh, you are still going to find some people attractive, mm-hmm. and some people are still going to find you attractive you know so uh yeah it 's not going to completely end when you get married it will especially
2: great... if your relationship isn 't where it needs to be for that particular day
3: right now uh, you know, I think it 's worth pointing out the Apostle Paul going back to the church at Corinth, he did say it 's better to marry than to burn mm-hmm. you know in first Corinthians seven nine so uh, for some people yeah man it's going to be greatly diminish, but it's not going to be like a cure-all. I mean, I even remember myself, I was kind of surprised that after I got married that I still found, oh, wow, there's a beautiful woman there.
2: Well, that, well, that but that's like, what? Whole...
3: I thought I'd never have to deal with this. Like, what? You're kidding. <laughs> no. me. Come on, God. And see, I tell <laughs>
2: women this all the time. I'm like, you have to understand, men are hardwired to love women. And so, just because they can think another woman is beautiful or their eye can be caught by it doesn't m- diminish the commitment or the relationship or the love they have for you. And And I have a real compassion for men these days you can't you can't go anywhere without seeing all kinds of things hearing all kinds of things and having to face all kinds of things oh yeah that, just, i mean you know a victoria's secret yeah, catalog I'm, is soft porn
3: right i mean i well, i can just be innocently watching you know a major league baseball game and victoria's secret exactly. commercial comes on so like, exactly. oh, you can't I even was, go to the mall yeah so i changed the channel after I've watched it for about 30 seconds. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I change it. Sooner, better. But uh, but well, yeah, like everywhere I go, you know what I mean? If you're yes, a guy, everywhere you go, it's, it's tough. there. It's, so, it's tough. But I do, what I will encourage our listeners is that I pray in the morning that, you know, just like the Lord's Prayer, Lord, lead me not in temptation. Yes. So I'm expecting temptation each day. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone, if you're listening, you should be expecting temptation. It's not to be tempted is one thing, to fall prey to it is exactly. another. So, you know, expect it, and you know, God will exactly. help you through it.
2: So we're at the end of our hour, and I'm so glad you joined me today. And I'm really excited about this book. And make sure you tell the listeners about your upcoming launch that you have, which I'm excited. Yeah, if you're in Phoenix,
3: uh, love for you to meet you in person. Just come on out to City of Grace. It's on a Friday night, uh, July 17th at 6:30. Um, We'll be there. We're going to be doing a a live recording. Love for you to be a part of the audience. I'd love to meet you. So I'll have copies of the book there. You can also get it on Amazon and Barnes and
2: Noble. Right. Well, I appreciate you so much, Dr. Brewer and what you have and what you um, offer to people. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And if you've not been able to listen to this show in its entirety, you can hear it completely on my website. Just go to CynthiaHyatt.com, and there is a radio link that will give you um, exactly all the different shows that are played, and this show will be um, on on that link and available as a podcast. So... I really want to pray a blessing for all of you that are listening and understanding. And if you are single, there is always hope. And if you are single, there is lots of good things God has for you. And I encourage you to continue to pursue his way. This is Cynthia Hyde with Conversations with Cynthia, and I'll talk to you
1: next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you.